what is the angry Maryland quarterback hating God? Why does it exist? And why does it insist on coming back to spite us every single year? Thomas, I've said all of the Jewish prayers that I can think of to make this spirit go away. Are there any Catholic prayers that might work that you would uh, know of? That's out of my, uh, that's out of my realm. There are a couple. Um, I don't know. I've, I've said them to myself, but they didn't. They didn't you work. might need I, to say them at Cole Field House now. Yeah, well, whenever the next time is that I get over there, I'll definitely try a few. I think we need to have an interfaith prayer session saying all of the prayers that we can to shoo the Maryland uh, quarterback handing God away. Or we just need to hire an exorcist. We, we could hire like an all-faith exorcist. Yeah, so we could hire a medium. We could do that. Considering how yeah. many people from New York come to Maryland, we could hire the Long Island medium. Let's actually not do that. That's a terrible idea. But I'm pretty sure there are psychics and there are healers and there are spiritual guides in College Park that will be able to I'm get sure the angry Maryland. What was that? Some in D.C., I'm sure. Oh, I can guarantee you. Whatever it takes to get the angry Maryland quarterback hating God to go away forever, I'm considering everything. I'm considering blood sacrifices at this point. I think, you know what? Obviously, we wouldn't sacrifice a turtle. What animal would we have to sacrifice in order to get the angry Maryland quarterback hating God to be appeased? I I don't know. Um, We have to try something. Yeah, maybe the sacrifices to to Studo on the mall aren't good enough. I, I mean, for, maybe we should just tell everybody to start doing that now instead of doing it for finals, because... I feel like it's already too late. Well, we can prevent him from coming back next year. Maybe. I think that's goal number one, is to prevent him from ever coming back again. Yeah. I, I don't think there's anything else we could do at this point, because... Uh, okay. You you all know what happened, and you all know the headlines, but I don't even want to say it, because it makes me sad, and it makes me start to cry. But... What in the world did Maryland do to deserve this? I mean, in the past, it used to be he just took bad quarterbacks and quarterbacks that none of us really liked all that much for whatever reason. And now he's taken two good quarterbacks in three games. What did we do to deserve this? I really wish I had answers. Um, You're a good journalist, so you could probably figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking to some sources and none of them really know just what we did. I I mean... I would say it's the turf at the artist formerly known as, well, Maryland Stadium. But uh, obviously, since Tyrell Pigram got hurt in Texas, that's not the case. Yeah, it's happened on two different surfaces. Well, two different, different surfaces moves. of turf. Yeah, with different moves. It's, it's, it's just a lot of different things. I think the, you know, other people have blamed Under Armour cleats, and I don't, I don't think that's it. Well, I, I think I, it's I, just. I, I mean, Hill's leg got rolled up on. So yeah, I don't think cleats are going to do anything to stop that. Yeah, I mean, Kasim, he he spun into three dudes that that all came like converged on his knee. So, so there he goes. Um, yeah, so that's how we're starting the show. Yeah, so, we're we're starting the show trying to figure out how to perform exorcisms. Welcome to the Testuda Times podcast, everybody. This is what we were left to resort to because what else can we do at this point when you, this stuff happens? Now, at least. With Pigram, I thought there was a chance he might be healthy, but with Kasim Hill, when he got hurt, I knew there was no chance he was healthy. I knew he blew out his knee. I, I hate saying that, but I instantly knew. Like, I knew there was no chance anything other than a torn ACL was going to be the result. And that's just fatalistic, and that's because I sat through the 2012 season, 
and I've sat through other Maryland seasons where this has happened, and here's another one, and it's ridiculous. And there isn't really any rational way to talk about what happened on Saturday because it's clear, and DJ Durkin said as much, that the game just became irrelevant because no one knew how to deal with what happened. And that's understandable when you lose two really good quarterbacks in the first nine quarters of your season for the season. Yeah, I think another thing that's that's worth noting is like, you know, Kasim um, kind of was, you know, the present and future. Like, they've had this movement going on, and a bunch of those kids are in College Park now. And they're on this team now. Like, half the team is, you know, from Dirk and recruiting classes. And Kasim was their quarterback. Um, you know, he was he was the at the centerpiece of this whole thing. And to see him go down after already seeing another quarterback go down, I think it's totally reasonable for guys to just kind of sh- shut down for a while. And it's unfortunate that it had to happen at a time where, I mean, they just got kind of got progressively more sluggish as the game went on. And, and at a point it's like, can you blame them? I, I did. I did it myself. And instead of trying to be like, yo, the sky's falling after the game, I wrote, Hey, so uh, if we're down to our 15th string quarterback, who is that? I mean, um, at this point, again, as I, as I we were talking on Twitter about this, I'm like, Maryland, if you considered Caleb Henderson above Fortenschlager at the start of the season, which I think all of us did, Maryland's down to its fourth string quarterback in the second quarter of game three of the season. This only happens to Maryland. There are quarterback injuries. A&M's had one. Michigan's dealing with one right now. And there are certainly other programs that have it. But none of them have it like Maryland does. And it's insane. Because, again, we sat through 2012. You didn't, but I did. We sat through last year with multiple quarterback injuries and, what, four of them playing. We're down to quarterback number four now. They have two scholarship quarterbacks left on the roster. Otherwise, they're starting walk-ons or running backs at quarterback. And it, what what else can you say about it? Like, there is no rational analysis of this. As much as we want to try to, we can't. There's no way we can do it. And as journalists, we should be better. We deal with the rational. We deal with what you – not what you should think, what you should think about. But even we are, like, stumped at this point. There isn't anything else for really for us to say. Yeah, I mean it. In honest truth, it's probably just a very weird string of bad luck. But you know, it that's too. It simplistic. feels like we offended somebody collectively, and it wasn't yeah. leaving the ACC because this all happened for Maryland before they announced they were leaving the ACC. So it doesn't matter what conference it's in. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, if you want to blame it on, I don't think there's one person to blame it on. You know, I wouldn't. The angry uh, Maryland quarterback hating God is who you blame it on. But that's how do we know that's a person? I don't think it is. Well, it's it's just, it's a deity. It's a something, or it's somebody with a testudo voodoo doll. Maybe they're in, in Charlottesville, Virginia, or in State College, Pennsylvania. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe maybe that thing gets passed around. I bet it does. I bet it went from um, John Swafford's office to Jim Delaney's office. Because we went from hating Carolina refs to whatever the heck we're hating now in the in the Big Ten. I, I'm they just trying to think of I'm just trying to think of rational explanations for all of this, but they're becoming more and more irrational as time goes on. So now, as you deal with the totally irrational, the only way to deal with this is by dealing with it irrationally. So 
this season that Maryland looked so promising for them and one where they could take a huge step forward is now essentially, and this is no offense to Matt Sportenschlager or whether or whenever Caleb Henderson plays, he, he's going to end up playing on a broken foot because I'll have to at some point because this is Maryland. Like this is another lost season. Like every season really for the last couple have been either rebuilding years or lost years because of quarterback injuries. And this is another lost season. You can't chalk it up as anything other than that now because how can you rationally analyze anything that Maryland does at any point when you say that they don't have quarterbacks? They lost three before they finished a quarter of the season. I, I will say right now, uh, Caleb Henderson is apparently back. I did he see that. So, they're, I don't know. I, I have no idea how good he well, is. Well, you right are now. the Caleb Henderson authority in Maryland yes. spheres. The official Caleb Henderson beat reporter says, I don't know how good he is right now. He's been hurt. He's just coming back. He's if, not starting uh, this week, so. Nope. Get ready for the Borton Schlockalypse. Uh, that's, um, that's, a good, that's a good word to use, and maybe it's just me and what I have inflicted on Maryland because when I came to school, this all started. Or maybe it's just because I root for two teams in football whose quarterbacks' last names start with Bort, and they're both terrible. I, I don't have the other any other words UCF to say. Guy. He needs to go. He, it was UCF. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, it must be because it was UCF. I have no idea. Although, for whatever reason, after I started cursing the, the letters B-O-R-T, he had the best game of his career on Sunday because logic doesn't make sense. But aside from that, Max Bortenschlager, I mean – he came in last year. He started at Nebraska. Again, it was another game when Maryland had no luck with quarterbacks. All of them were injured, and they started Borton Slogger, and it went about as well as you thought. And then in this game, he had to play a ton against a team that was active and motivated with a team that was really sluggish and emotionally totally deflated, and it went about as well as you would expect. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I, Get ready for more of that. Him. Well, I feel like you'd expect him to play a little better in this this environment. He's a year older, um, you know, and he has you know he wasn't thrown into the fire in the same way. I think they decided that he was going to be quarterback. We didn't know he was going to be quarterback for Nebraska until you know he took the field. I mean, we kind of know at this point. So he gets to. I don't know if I don't know if he's someone who would prepare differently as a starter. They always tell you not to. Um, I don't know. I. I I think he'll probably be a little better. I still think. But can he beat you know, any he, of the teams on Maryland's schedule outside of Rutgers? Not by himself, no. I mean, but that's they'll need him to just not lose games. I don't think they'll need him to um, be enough of a threat vertically, and I think he could be. Well, here's he my concern with that, and it really showed up on Saturday again. How much of that is Maryland was completely and totally deflated from losing another quarterback to a debilitating injury? I don't know. But they couldn't run the ball. Like, we assumed last year, even when Maryland had no quarterback play, they could run the football with Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison. That didn't happen on Saturday. And now, every single team, because college football is ruthless, they're going to put eight in the box, and they are going to say, all right, Max Bortenschlager, beat us. And I thought Tyrell Pigram and Kasim Hill could reasonably do that, even if they weren't great at it. I don't think Max Bortenschlager can do that if Maryland can't run the ball. He certainly can't run on his own like Tyrell Pigram and Kasim Hill can. That is the biggest concern that I have, is that if Maryland's running game goes away like it did on Saturday, they got no shot. 
I think it, it might, you know, I think of it the other way around. I think of it as, as if he is a threat in the passing game, which I think he could be. I mean, he's, he's uh, a pocket passer the, by nature. I, I have to take the, the other nature. side here is what in his performances, yes, I think he's played in what, three games now? Nebraska and mop up against Towson and then in this we game. We mopped up against Howard last year too. Okay, so maybe, okay, so he's played in four games. Two of them are in mop up duty against FCS teams. But what in the evidence of those games have we seen yet that says that he can do the things with his arm that Tyrell Pigram and Kasim Hill flashed? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going off games. I'm going off practice. And that's the thing. Is we've, we've the Maryland season kind of, at the moment at least, is pending on if he can do something we haven't seen him do in a game before. And, and that's, that's relying scary. on that is... Why I'm saying the rest of this year is a mulligan. Like, you can't almost take anything from the rest of this year because, I mean, if he's good, great. But even if he's passable, then can Maryland win these games that we thought they could win with one of the two presumed starters? I feel like if, you know, there there are nine games left, and I feel like any good team would get would at least figure something out, at least figure out a way. To, to get something done with their, you know, even with their third, fourth string quarterback. I think that's, I think it's going to show kind of how far Maryland has come. With, well, I, again, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I don't think any coach, let alone DJ Durkin, who is a good football coach, we know that, but I don't even think Nick Saban could succeed with a fourth string quarterback in college football. So I'm not expecting DJ Durkin to be able to, and that's not a slight on Durkin as a coach. I just don't think any coach is ever prepared to play a fourth-string quarterback. No offense to Matt Sportenschlager, who I've never met and I assume is a very nice man. I don't think any coach is prepared to play a fourth-string quarterback in the first quarter of Game 3. I don't think any coach is prepared for that emotionally, schematically, and I don't think any coach is able to do that. I can't think of any examples outside of Sean Petty five years ago where any team has had to deal with what Maryland's had to deal with a quarterback. There are certainly backups, and I've seen that before. You know, backups can be successful. There's no issue with that. The, the Wally Pip thing is real, but you're not going to Wally Pip three guys. And that's no offense, to, again, to Matt Bortenschlager, but I don't think any coach at any level of football or sports can really adequately prepare if you are dealt with that string of injuries. There's just no way you could prepare for it. And therefore, I think it's almost impossible to be successful because the, the deck is so stacked against you. I think they, for for nine games, they will figure out a game plan that revolves around his strengths and the running game. And I, I think they're good coaches and can do that. I think any good coach can do that. But I, here's the I issue. See... They might be good coaches, but are they going to be able to win? And I don't think they're beating we'll anybody see. other than Rutgers now. We'll, we'll see. I you are way I don't more optimistic than I am. I just think there, that's a lot of time to figure something out. Or figure out if Caleb Henderson's the better quarterback, and then he'll be healthy, and then you play. Well, here's something I, I will guarantee. Something I will guarantee is that Caleb Henderson's going to play at some point. I don't know when that point is. Maybe it's when Maryland's losing by 50 to Ohio State, or you know, maybe it's when it's going really badly at home against Northwestern and Indiana. But Caleb Henderson's going to play because Maryland doesn't really have many other options. And if Bortenschlager doesn't succeed, they do have an option. It's entirely an unknown quantity, but it's an option. 
And for a while, we presumed he could be the starter. So it's not that I think that this could go completely off the rails and they only beat Rutgers, because actually, Lorenzo Harrison, a quarterback, could beat Rutgers at this point. But, like, just I think the reason why maybe I'm so fatalistic, and if you just look at the Terps hashtag on Twitter, it's just so doom and gloom and self-loathing and all of that. It's because not just because this happened again to Maryland. It happened with good quarterbacks, and it happened after Maryland went into Texas and won. And it happened when everybody was starting to think Maryland football is going to turn around and this is going to be exciting. And now it's just like, oh, well, you know what? It's 36 days till basketball season. What else can I say? Yeah, so about basketball. Um... Yes, let's, let's not dwell on the negatives from this for much longer. I should say, uh, is there anything reasonable we could expect for them against Minnesota on Saturday? Or is it just one of those... We have no idea, wait and see, and then go off of that. Um, I don't know. I think – I don't know how good Minnesota is is the problem. You know, this is they true. They could be very good. They could be very good. They could be beatable. I mean, they could be beatable. I would have beatable assumed that they were beatable if Maryland had one of their best two quarterbacks, but they don't. Oh, yeah. So I assume at this point they're not beatable. I assume every game except Rutgers is a game that is out of Maryland's reach until they prove it otherwise. Well, that's, that's nice of you. So, well, I, I mean, what else? I say yeah. this as, a, as somebody who has seen enough of Max Bortenschlager play and the way they played against UCF, which obviously I don't think they'll play like that again, you know, against a team that is reasonably on their level. But, you know, I, I just can't imagine a team getting up emotionally from those hammer blows. They got up from one, and that was admirable. And I didn't think they could do that. To get up from two... Heading into Big Ten play, I, I don't expect any team to be able to deal with that effectively. The best teams are going to struggle with that. And the last thing I'll say on this is Ryan Connors, our good friend, he mentioned right in our season preview show that Maryland would beat Texas and lose to UCF. And I said, that's not happening. That would be as well. And you too. Screw both of you. You all suck. I didn't think it would happen like that. Well, because you said it, you tempted fate. Don't tempt the angry Maryland quarterback hating God. Don't tempt him. Because obviously, he clearly didn't like being tempted. Anyway, let's move on to happier sports things. Because there are some. And basketball season is not too far away, thankfully. I think most of us are already just counting down the days in our fingers. But what now? Because I know there's good recruiting news on the horizon at least it seems like it yeah um so maryland might have uh, been gifted moses brown well it turns out that they might be gifted moses brown because yes we are recording this on the day when all of the stuff with the ncaa and the fbi was broken wide open and one of the schools that's implicated is louisville where moses brown was also heavily linked to and also uh arizona is caught up in that and he was about to uh he was at least considering taking an official visit there, uh, probably this weekend or next. And the leader career for Moses Brown is is caught up in this, so he's out. Yep. So this means that Maryland may have, I wouldn't say backed into getting a good recruit, but may have been fortunate. Obviously, it's not good for the sport of college basketball with what's going on, even though we all knew that stuff like this was going on, but the NCAA couldn't do anything about it. Uh, we should address the concerns about this because I, I bet there are going to be some Maryland fans out there that are going to get 
kind of skittish when they see something like this and they figure other teams could be implicated. There are some unnamed teams uh, in these reports and in these investigations. And Maryland is a big basketball school. They have ties to a lot of programs uh, on the AAU circuit. I mean, it would be hard to imagine that some people around the program wouldn't, you know, have been involved with people who are involved in this at some point. That's what recruiting is. But for now, Maryland's not implicated. The apparel companies are Nike and Adidas, not Under Armour. So that's good, at least for now. So what can we say about this for any Maryland fans that might be a little nervous about the reports that came out today? I think it's one of those, if Maryland gets caught up, they'll be, you know, one of many. They'll, it'll take a while, I think, for this to reach Maryland, if it even does. Um, the The teams that were named in the report today, or at least suggested in the report today, like, my favorite is, uh, like, University 7 is a uh, private research school with 15,000 students and 15 varsity sports in South Florida. So, like, I wonder who that is. Well, I, 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 I can't imagine who that might be. I, I can't imagine any private school in Florida with 15,000 Oh, there's one. There's one. And Happens ESPN to had to go on the bottom line and say, sources tell ESPN one of the schools implicated is said school. Yeah. So anyway, I can't wait for uh, when Louisville and Miami play each other, and it's like, I hope they show on the ESPN like graphic University Six versus University Seven. Oh, that'd be hilarious. So how many? I, I haven't actually had a chance to read the report, but do you know how many uh, schools, if they weren't named, were implicated in this? Because we we saw a couple, obviously, you know, the big ones, and then the hinting at another. Uh, how many were implicated in this? I think it was – I've only seen so far um, four coaches and just those two schools that seem to be getting the worst of it right now. Um, but that's just from what I've seen. I've been you know, trying to do some midterm stuff. But uh, I, mean, I mean you don't want to think about the angry Maryland quarterback hating God or the FBI bringing down college basketball. Yeah, reasonable. Yeah, I'd rather do schoolwork than those things. Reasonable. But recruiting, it's, it's not an easy and clean business. And I think everybody who loves college sports as we do understands that. And if you get involved in just thinking about the recruiting process, you, you see how crazy it becomes. And I'm not saying Maryland's implicated, and I'm not saying that they have done shady things, because obviously that has not been said and I certainly have no reason to believe that but this is college basketball and Maryland's a reasonably big time program and they are the flagship program for a very big apparel company I mean somebody might put two and two together yeah they could be there somewhere no that, evidence yet there cool. there is no evidence there's nothing to freak out about yet obviously yet. it's just it's just one of those things that adds a layer to a sport you know Right as Maryland is reeling from one thing, Maryland fans start to maybe freak out about another thing. You know, that, that's what we do. But to this point, nothing yet to say. I think so far, though, Maryland is like one of the winners in this thing because of Moses Brown. Well, if you tied. consider winners getting players because other schools are basically going to get done in with coaches being in jail and or getting the death penalty. Yeah, what I mean, whatever's happening to Louisville and Arizona, I don't know. But uh, 
it's kind of just like parting the Red Sea here for Moses to come into College Park. I see um, what you did there, and I'm disappointed in you for doing it. I mean, both of them wear red anyway, Louisville and Arizona. And Maryland does too. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. The, the college basketball season starts soon enough. Uh, I believe, listen, there are some other recruiting news for Maryland that you wanted to mention. Yeah, uh, they've got a couple of five-star guards coming this weekend. Well, the one that is from the region went to Kentucky, which I think everybody was not surprised by. Yeah, I mean, he that was a foregone conclusion for a while. Yeah. Ever since ever since the summer when he played on the I think U19 team coached by Calipari, it was just kind of over. Can't imagine why. Yeah. But in good recruiting news, uh yeah, so Devin Dotson and Kelvin Johnson uh both Dotson's a point guard. Johnson is kind of a kind of a wing. Like he's a shooting guard, small forward guy. Anyway, they're both going to be on campus together this weekend, which is interesting because if they both commit, then suddenly Maryland's looking at this like behemoth class. Um, well, we well we've said for a while that Maryland in 2018 has a very important recruiting class coming because just of the depletion from the roster the last two years and the ability to play in the Big Ten, and the ability to say this is a program that you could help put over the top, you know, that allows for Maryland to have this pretty gigantic recruiting class potentially on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things have had to go into it, and I'm, you know, still kind of intrigued on, like, just how long in advance coaches look at certain cycles and say this is the cycle where we're going to be big. I, I, I do wonder just how far in advance they think about that stuff because you know to to have have a shot with some of the top kids you have to recruit them early and recruit them hard mm-hmm. and it's interesting well, Mark Turgeon always seemed like somebody no matter the assistant coaches on his staff that is very proactive and thinking ahead he he's some he seems that somebody that is so specific about the details that he's obviously going to prepare with the details with recruiting like this too yeah i mean but I don't know, like, the, did he start thinking about the 2018 class in 2014? Like, back when Des Wells was still playing? Like, I'm very curious to be like, how far in advance do you think about these classes? And it's because we only think about them kind of when the last class ends. We think of them, you know, as, you know, one year cycles, but it's so much more than that. And, you know, for, for all of whatever, however long it is to, to cap off with, a class that could include four top 25 players in the country would be absurd. Would be, you know, it would be like Kentucky Maryland and has. Duke level. Yeah, I mean, that's that kind of a class in size and quality. And, I mean, that would also mean a lot of one and done. And, you know, I think fans would have to just be all right with that. It is something that would be very interesting because a lot of the best recruits that Maryland has had in recent years, they've never really gone for the the one and dones. Like they've gotten, I mean, certainly they've been in the market for them and they've wanted to grab them, but a lot of their best recruits and best players were not one and dones. It would be very interesting to see how Maryland fans would react to something like that if it happened. Well, it, you know, I feel like that's a case by case thing. You know, I think. Diamond Stone, kind of his draft stock slid a lot from what it 
from what it was when he got to College Park to what it was after, and he's kind of just bounced around through the league. So, you know, there is every time we well for every good one and done, there is a bad one and done story too. You know, like that—that's the thing that happens. I feel like right now with the way they do the draft, that you can declare, but not, you know, not have that be binding. I think you get a little bit less of that. But I, I, I do see what you're saying. Well, it's an interesting time for Maryland and basketball and college basketball in general, and we'll see how it all plays out as we continue to look quite a bit more forward to it than we absolutely needed to or thought we needed to for most of the early part of September because the angry Maryland quarterback hating God. So I, I should say, Thomas, because we were talking about this pre-pod as we started to wrap things up, it isn't just Maryland football that has a whole host of crazy, debilitating, terrible injuries. Yeah, it's – it's um, so field hockey had the number one freshman in the country, and she got hurt in the spring and is going to miss her whole freshman season. Uh, volleyball has um, Katie Myers, who missed most of last year with a knee injury, and this year is going to miss the second half of the season with a knee injury. She was a redshirt freshman. She was a team captain as a redshirt freshman. And now she's going to miss another year for surgery. Um, Michaela Days, who was Maryland women's soccer's best player as a freshman, is out for the season. Um, and they're without a couple other forwards as well. It's So it's something about Something in the water school. in College Park. Yeah. Yeah. they got to they gotta replace that water. I don't, I don't know. I don't know Maybe it's the water. filtering system in PG County. I believe it. Uh, so let's – I mean there are other sports that are going on. And in spite of all of the injuries, how are things going, particularly for the sports that personally I haven't followed as closely as I should, i.e. everything that isn't men's soccer? Uh, well, men's soccer, uh, as we're recording this, um, tied UMBC this evening. Another which... great college soccer tie. Yeah. Good old stuff. It's better than losing to them at home at the NCAA tournament. Oh geez, um, don't even mention that. So so anyway, uh, um, volleyball is winning a couple Big Ten games, which they haven't done in a long time. So well, I thought they had some big wins in the pre in the non conference as well. They did. They they knocked out. They swept USC, who who came in, I think number eighteen in the country. And USC um, is a very established program in the sport. Yes, and beyond that, you know so. The last three years, they've started 0-8 in Big Ten play at least, and they won their second Big Ten match this year. So it's, that is a noticeable thing. Um, Steve Aird, we told you, go to those games. Yeah. That that guy can motivate you to do anything. Yep. Um, and women's soccer is starting to come down to earth a little bit, but they're also ahead of where they were last year by a lot Uh Field hockey is doing well, not great. Um, they're, they're a young team, though. They're still kind of putting it all together. They've had some injuries. I don't know to what extent they'll be able to put everything together, but it'll, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Um, and those are really the four we know about. Actually, the, the fun one is Maryland women's golf uh, won a tournament at Penn State. So oh, Okay. It's always a nice thing to see. Well, because you are a resident golf expert here. You and Jerry. Yeah, apparently. 
I beat Jared in golf this weekend, by the way. Or oh, did you? Well, he's yeah. not here to defend himself, so. No. No, I beat him by one. One. Yeah. Impressive. Mm-hmm. He played bad, though. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. I had a bad. I had a good front nine, and I kind of just rode that to the finish somehow. Uh, is this what happens after watching Maryland quarterbacks get injured? You just go and play badly at golf. No, we what... uh, we did this on Friday. Oh, you did this Friday. Oh, so before you even knew that Maryland quarterbacks get injured. Well, I yeah. knew that. Wow. Well, we knew that, but before another one got injured. I didn't. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what, what that is. is. Well, the only good thing I could say about all of this is, as we mentioned before, no matter how bad it gets for Maryland, they will still never be as bad as Rutgers. You're not wrong. Well, I'm going to go up to Yankee Stadium for that game, starting November. It's going to be interesting. No, it won't. Don't even say that. I'm going up now as pity to myself there's and to be... my family. Hey, there's going to be wrestling. And Rutgers is actually a wrestling school, so... Well, because uh, they can't be a football or basketball or soccer or school of repute in any sport that most people pay attention to. Soccer and wrestling school. And good at yeah. getting put on NCAA probation. Yeah, good for them. Oh, boy. Uh, don't you just love Rutgers? Love having them in the conference so we have somebody to make fun of when it all goes wrong for our school. Anyway, uh, we will still be here. We'll still be covering football in case an absolute outright miracle happens and the team is actually not anywhere near as bad as I think they're going to be. Well, I mean, you got to do something, eh? You got to try. So, yeah, well, I mean, they'll, actually, yeah, I, I, think I should ask you this. I, I should being ask you this question. But, but they, they do, they do need to get a lot of things together pretty quick. I should ask you this question. How should I, Maryland fans deal with the rest of this season? Because, you're going to watch the next nine games out of obligation. We all will. I'm going to, you're obviously going to cover the team, and most Maryland fans are going to do that because that's what we do. How should we watch these games, knowing what we know has already happened? I think it'll be cool to see which players take steps forward. You know, because it's, it's still a lot of underclassmen, still a lot of you know, guys who are going to be around for a couple of years. And so it's, I think what we should be doing is seeing who's, setting themselves up to be a part of next year's, you know, next year's core in the year after that. <laughs> I, I'm just and laughing at the time. thought of this because Maryland football, it's always next season. God, no, but we thought it was next season earlier this year, and it's certainly next season now. Well, yeah. God help us. But this is going to be a place where we will all come together and laugh at our plight, spite the angry Maryland quarterback hating God, and tell him to go away. And where we can all come together to realize it could always be worse. We could be Rutgers. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to episode 91 of the Testudo Times podcast and, you know, suffering with all of us. As you will continue to suffer. should be a little happier, right? What? 92 should be a little bit happier than this, right? Well, I mean, if we lose 50 nothing to Minnesota, it won't be. I'll have to call in sick. <laughs> no, I'll actually replace you on that show with a psychic medium. And, yep. and an exorcist. Oh, wow. Both of them. Awesome. Both. Can't yeah. That, it's basically going to be me asking them what we did wrong and what we can do to fix it. All right. So let's hope we don't have to resort to that. 
Pray very hard, my friends. Pray very hard. Pray on Testudo's shiny bronze nose, and if you are at Maryland, give offerings to him, because you know he will protect us along the way when we have to go to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and play on that dirt patch of turf, which soccer has also been played on this year, so that nobody else playing quarterback for the Maryland Terrapins gets injured again. That's all I can ask for. Anyway, it's been a pleasure to do this show, as it always is, even through the very toughest of times. And even though the angry Maryland quarterback hating God exists and hates us, remember, go Terps.